Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Let me read a few passages, a few verses to you. I didn't think I was starting a series today, and I think I accidentally started a series today. You know what I'm saying? So I thought it was going to be a one-off kind of thing, but I think I think I got some things to say. So we're going to be talking about the power of vision over the next few weeks. And I feel like as I was preaching at the nine, I went, oh, this is like a thing. We got a thing going here. And we're going to work this thing. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Uh, if you have a physical Bible, please turn there. If you have a phone, please go there in your Uversion app. If you cannot download your Uversion app because of storage, First of all, delete Facebook. Just start there. Just start there. And then start working down all the other apps till you can download the Uversion app, a free Bible for you. If you're stubborn, it's going to come on the screen for you, I think, as well. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried all the more, or he shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up, came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want? Man, I want you to get that in your heart today. What do you want? What do you want? Not just what do you need. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let me recover my sight. Let me talk just for a few moments from this idea. See again. See again. See again. See again. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, you look good. You look good. You look good. (laughs) Father, I pray you'd open our hearts to your word now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Thank you. Beautiful today. Worship was fantastic. Aren't we so blessed? Wow. Amazing. Proverbs chapter 29 tells us that without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish or they lose control. They cast off restraint. They, they, they lose their identity. They lose their purpose. They lose their way. Without a vision, the people perish. But that word vision is not talking about eyesight. It's not talking about these two things here in your head. It's Literally, the word would be prophetic insight or supernatural vision. In other words, without God's ability to see, you're going to perish. You have to learn to see like God sees. You have to learn how to walk by vision. You have to learn how to see how God sees, because if you just see how you see or how culture sees or how the news tells you to see or how mama told you to see or anything else, you're, you're going to perish. You're not going to be able to enter into all that God has for you. God wants to give you 
vision. He wants to give you prophetic insight. He wants to give you the ability to see like God sees. So all through the Old Testament, God would talk to prophets. And here's what he would say to Ezekiel or Isaiah or Jeremiah or anyone else who would say, hey, what do you see? Because until you can figure out what you see, it will then determine what you say. He said, what do you see? What do you see? What are you looking at? And you have to be able to see correctly if you ever want to say correctly. There is something supernatural about your ability to see. Again, not with these eyes, but what Paul called the eyes of your understanding. That you may be enlightened, that you may see from a different place. Not from a natural place, but from a supernatural place. There was an amazing woman in the 19th century named Helen Keller. And she was deaf and she was blind. But she said this, there is something much worse than being blind. And it's living your whole life without vision. I want you to get vision. I want you to be able to see like God sees. Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith, this is really cool, by faith, Moses' parents saw. Watch this. By faith, Moses' parents saw that he was no ordinary child. Well, Jabin, I thought we walked by faith and not by sight. Yes, but once you start walking by faith and not by sight, then you can see by faith. So I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. But the moment I start walking by faith, I can now see by faith. So I no longer see you for your mistake. I no longer see you for for the worst thing you've ever done. I no longer see my life based upon my weakness. I now see by faith. I see by what God can do. I look at my children and I and I say, you're not ordinary. You're extraordinary, made in the image of God. Why? Because I'm not just looking here. I'm I'm looking here. This is vision. And though there are many things around us right now that are intimidating to our eyes, we must live from a place beyond what our eyes tell us because our eyes will lie to us. See, these eyes will show you the mountain. It's big. But, but, but these eyes will show you the God that can move mountains. These eyes will show you the valley low, but, but these eyes will show you the God that can raise up a valley. These eyes will show you the crooked path, but, but these eyes will show you a God that can make your path straight. These eyes will show you my marriage is in trouble, but these eyes will show you the God of restoration that can put things back together. These eyes will show you the mess that is your life, but these eyes will show you how God is a master artist who can put things back together and create a mosaic out of broken pieces. So I can't trust these eyes. I don't deny it. I just know there's something greater. It's vision. I can't live from here. Because if I live from here, I will be discouraged. I will be depressed. And I will be moved by movement. But if I live from here, I will be immovable because I see a God that cannot change. Vision. Vision. So I know it may currently look bad in your life. I'm not denying the reality of what could happen to our economy. I'm not denying COVID. I'm not denying 
the fears that we all face. But I cannot live obsessed with them. I need vision. I need vision. I need vision. So let me, let me give you three things today. I don't know if they're really points or prophecies or I don't know what they are, but they're good. Let me give them to you. Number one, take heart. The men look at Bartimaeus and they said, hey man, take heart. This word take heart means be encouraged. Literally means be of good cheer, be happy, get happy, celebrate. Resolve to have a, this is in the, in the Greek language where we get this word, a spirit produced inner confidence. Spirit produced. So not just, oh, I'm happy, I'm encouraged, everything's okay. God's going to do it. No. A Holy Spirit produced inner confidence that makes no sense in the natural, but by the Spirit of God, I have confidence. It means to be filled with courage. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, God said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you ever read scriptures like this and go, well, if it was easy, yeah. Don't worry about anything. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) You know, like. (laughs) Do not be afraid. Thanks. Trying. Working on it. You know, you read stuff like this, you, <laughs> be courageous, okay? So I, I've been wrestling with this text all, all, all week because I've, I've been, how do, you, how do you take heart? How do you, how do you be courageous? Well, I think the secret is found in who told Bartimaeus to be courageous. And it was in Jesus. Jesus did not say, take heart. Let me tell you who told Bartimaeus to take heart. The people that were just telling him to shut up. <laughs> the people who were just stopping him from his miracle are now telling him to take heart. The ones that were just telling him you're too loud are now telling him to take heart. The ones that were just telling him to give up. The ones who were just saying shut up are now preaching take heart. Because if you'll allow it, and you have to allow it, you can turn your trial into a sermon. You can turn your adversary into elevation. You can turn the storm into a miracle. If you'll allow it. The very ones that were just trying to shut him up is the very ones that now bring him to Jesus. Because the very thing that the enemy thought was going to stop you was actually the very thing that was about to push you into your destiny. The very thing that the enemy thought was going to discourage you is actually elevating you. The very thing that the enemy thought was your death blow has actually become your stepping stool into a new season. Y'all don't believe me. Joseph said, you meant this for my evil. You meant this for my harm. You thought you were going to kill me. But God. But God. 
But God, if you've ever wanted to be a preacher, help me preach right now. Say, but God. But God has used this for my good. And for the good of all that I will help. Everything that Joseph's brothers thought they were doing to him, the opposite was happening. Because God has a way of reversing every lie of the devil. So everything the enemy has assigned to you, God reverses it and does the opposite. They thought they were throwing him down into a pit, but God was elevating him into promotion. They thought they were binding him in prison, but God was setting him up on a platform to feed a nation. Y'all don't believe me. One person's like, I do. Goliath said to David, I'm going to feed you to the birds today. But David knew that Goliath was not a death sentence. David knew this is my opportunity for promotion. David didn't become king because he fought a bear or a lion or hung out with sheep or played a guitar. David became king because of an enemy. And you have to learn how to embrace certain moments of your life. Because though it feels like it's taking you down, it's actually lifting you up. You feel, I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane and as you start to go up, you feel the pressure this way, but you're going higher. Oh my God. That's why the apostle Paul said, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Ah, uh, because I feel the weight of what the enemy's doing, but what he doesn't realize is that God is actually using all things, Romans 8, 28, God is using all things for my good. Philippians chapter 1, Paul said, they put me in prison. They thought they were going to stop this message. The message is actually going further faster because they put me in prison. Because they bound me in chains, but you can't bind the message in chains. Take heart. Be encouraged. Because the devil threw everything he could at you in 2020 to shut you up, to silence your voice, to end your faith, to discourage you from your calling. That's what he did to me. Can I be honest? I didn't like 2020. I think I have one good memory of 2020. It was Hawaii before COVID. Come on, somebody. I mean, I got good memories. I spent a lot of time with my family, but we fought a lot too. (laughs) (laughs) Too real, too real. We're just blessed and highly favored. Praise God all the time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't like 2020, but but I'm better for it. I love people more. I love you more. I love God more. I love my family more. I'm more confident in who I am. I'm a better leader. I'm a better decision maker. I'm probably a little meaner. Come on, somebody. But it's a good mean. Because <laughs> I, I have more focus now. I didn't like anything about 2020. But God. Everything hell sent to silence me has only made the voice of my ministry and this church louder. 
<laughs> Take heart. Take heart. Number, number two, they tell him, get up. Tell him to get up. I want to tell you that there is, there is get up power in Jesus. It's called resurrection power. It's what Paul said in Romans 8. He said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He is alive in you, quickening you, causing you to get up. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the, I'm the get up. <laughs> I am your ability to get up. And the Bible says that when he heard it, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up. Now, I, want, I want you to get it in your head. As he's standing up, he's disrobing. Okay, I want you to picture this. He's got a robe on. He's got a coat on. He's got a cloak on. And as he's standing, he's disrobing. So by the time he's on his feet, the coat is on the floor. This matters. Nothing is in the text by accident. Because in this day, this coat was literally a permit. It was like a license. And it gave him the legal ability to beg. So his government officials would have checked him out. He would have proven his blindness. They would have given him a beggar's coat or a beggar's cloak. It would have been totally white. And he would have worn this so that as people are passing him by on the road, they would see him and they would see this government-sanctioned coat, this permit that he was wearing, and they would say, okay, he's legit. He's actually blind. He actually needs help. And they would give him money. But he doesn't go to Jesus with the coat. I know so many Christians that are like tiptoeing in this thing, but they still got their coat. Because if they don't like what God's going to do in their life, they can just go back to the coat. If they don't like how he's going to do it, they can just go back. They've got a little plan B going on. And, and James said in the book of James chapter 1, a double-minded man cannot stand. You can't have a, one foot in and one foot out. And I'm talking about in every area of your life. I know married couples that still got a coat. Some numbers you still haven't deleted. Some accounts you still haven't unfollowed. Shoot, I know couples that are living together that won't get married because they still got their coat. I'm going to see if she's crazy in five years. She'll still be crazy. <laughs> Marry the woman. And be crazy together. Let go of the coat. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? We gonna try it out for a couple of years. You're still gonna be a mess. So get the blessing of God on the thing and try to work it out. Amen. Okay, but anyway, I I digress. No judgment. I'm just saying. If you think the crazy's gonna disappear, the crazy's not gonna disappear. 
You're just going to learn to love the crazy. Oh, she crazy. Ooh. Ah. People carry coats. He didn't keep it. He, he decided to go all in. See, because here's what I think is amazing. I think that Bartimaeus could have asked for a lot of things that would have kept him comfortable and medicated. In his dysfunction. And I think a lot of us, we settle for, for soul medication. Bartimaeus could have said, I need a new coat. He could have said, I, I need a new chair to sit on to beg. I need a new person to lead me around and guide me around the city. Jesus, I need money. I need money, Jesus. I need money. Bartimaeus didn't need more money. He needed vision. How many of you wrote, and I'm so proud of you for, you wrote down your little goals and your little goals are so cute. And I got goals. I got goals on here. And one of my goals is money. Can I tell you, you need vision. Because God will finance vision. What do you want in 2021? I want some more money. Join the club. Get a vision. I want a bigger house. Okay, get a vision. See, a lot of times we're settling, and I say, we, me, I'll medicate. And I'll, I'll live in things that are keeping me comfortable. But they're not providing for the vision. So I've learned how to be medicated in a visionless life. Where I'm just comfortable enough to never go after my dream. It's safe. But it's not what God has for me. I'm talking about vision. This is why you... That's why you have to be in a church that thinks big like this church. That's why you have to be in a small group. That's why you have to get around great people and, and, and other believers. Because you gotta, you got to resist the temptation to medicate and live small. So that you can enter into the vision that God has for you. He gets up. He, he throws off plan B. He Let's it all go. And Jesus says, number three, he's calling you. He says, he says, what do you want? What do you want? I want you this week to talk to Jesus about what you want. I want you to write some things down. I want you to pray through some things. I want you to define some things. What do you want? Not just what do you need, what do you want? Because I think, I think in a season like we're in, it can just be so easy to survive. Man, I don't know what I want. What do you want? I want to not die. I want to... What do you want? I love that Jesus invites Bartimaeus into the life of faith. Just, what are you believing for? What do you want? Can... can can you write that down this week? Can you get really honest with God about the desires of your heart? What do you want? 
Why don't you talk to God about what you want? Why don't you talk to God about your dreams? Why don't you talk to God about your purpose? Why don't you talk to God about your future? Think about it. Pray about it. Define it. And then go after it. Vision. And, and, and here's what he says. Because I hope this is at the top of any list you write. Whether it's I want to make $100 million or I want to make $100,000 or I want to do this or I'm hoping to meet this person. I'm All of that's great. But I hope at the top of your list is this. I want, it, I want to see. I want vision. God, I want to see like you see. See, I, we, we, we desperately need a building. But the top of my list should not be a building. Because if the top of my list is a building, then I've limited our vision. I'm going to preach to y'all. Y'all got faith right here. Even though you got a Kansas City jersey, you got faith. My vision better not be limited to square footage, whether it's 6,000 square feet or 60,000 square feet or 600,000 square feet. I better have a bigger vision than square footage. So you will not hear us obsessing about, we just need a building. This is so, we just need a building. We need, no, we need vision. Because there's 2.2 million people in our city that desperately need God, that desperately need love, that desperately need hope. Come on, somebody. That desperately need faith. And is God going to give us something? Of course he is. Can't wait for it. But the vision is not on pause until we get more square footage. The vision goes forward. The vision continues on. And we're going to love people. We're going to serve people. We're going to feed people. We're going to help people. We're going to preach to people. We're going to encourage people. Because my vision is bigger than any building in this city. That's me. But what's your vision? Why don't you ask God, God, give me vision. Bartimaeus said, can I have the keys come? Bartimaeus said, I want to see again. Again. I want my sight recovered, he said. Here's what this means. We, we don't know much, but we do know this. We know at some point in Bartimaeus' life, he lost his ability to see. He lost his vision. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened. Have you lost your vision? Have you gone into survival mode? There's been times this year where I led from, I just got to keep moving. And that's okay because there's just moments like that. It's just, I just got to keep moving. And that's okay. But I am, I am asking God right now. I'm not saying I have it. I'm saying I'm asking God right now. Lord, I, I want to see again. Because this season that we're in can make everything feel so small and limited. And I, I, I hope I make it. And it can so easily Steal, steal that ability to dream and grow and build. 
So, man, I got some goals for this year, and I got, but the top of my list, God, help me to see. God, give me a vision. God, help me to not live from here all the time. Help me to live from here. Give me a vision. The book of 2 Kings chapter 6, the servant of Elisha wakes him up and, and he goes, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, we have been surrounded by the enemy. Elisha gets up, wipes his sleep, he's out of his eyes. He walks outside, he sees a massive army surrounding his house. And he looks back at his servant, Gehazi, and says, man, we better pray, bro. So I can just imagine Gehazi, like, all right, let's go. And Elisha goes, Lord. And I think Gehazi's thinking, strike him, Lord. Help, Lord. Deliver, Lord. Get him, Lord. I don't know what he's thinking. Elisha doesn't pray about the enemy. Elisha goes, Lord, help my servant to see. (laughs) Help him to see that there are more for us than there are against us. Help him not to just see with these eyes because these eyes will lie to you. Help him to see from his spirit And I think Gehazi would have opened his eyes in frustration. What are you talking about? And the Bible said that God lifted the veil for Gehazi to see in the spirit. And the Bible says that the enemy was surrounded by the armies of God. God, help me to see that you're for me. Help me to see that there's more for me than there are against me. Help me to see that you got a plan for my life. Help me to see, help me to see beyond everything we see in the natural. Help me to see. God, give me vision. Because without it, I'll perish. My family will. We'll we'll lose all sense of reality. Give me vision. That's my prayer. I want to invite you just wherever you're sitting to just lift your hands with me. (sighs) Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, help us to see again. Open our eyes to all that you have for us. Remind us today that there are more for us than there are against us. Remind every soul today that you are for us and not against us. Remind us today 
that there is a God bigger than the mountain. There is a God greater than the valley. There is a God stronger than fear. His name is Jesus. And we choose to fix our eyes on you. Hebrews chapter 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We do that now. Command fear to go. Command spiritual blindness to leave. And I ask for faith to rise in your people. Oh God, give us vision. Lest we perish. In Jesus' name.